Oh, I have to unmute you. Hang on. Okay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, friends. Welcome back. Hi, Lou. How are we doing today? I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated for the second part of the story because my the big question I had from the first episode, part one of this, is hopefully going to be answered, or at least we're going to see what Ed, Edward Casey thinks about it, I think. Like, well, what's your question? Uh, my question is, where is all this knowledge coming from? He uh, was raised by uneducated parents. He had no medical background. Apparently, his the guy who hypnotized him that worked with him had a little bit of chiropractic background, but there's and he's finding where oil is in Texas from remotely. Where is all this knowledge coming from? Great question. Great question. I'm glad you asked that. But friends, what Lou is referring to is part one of this episode that you should watch if you're going to be watching this because it won't make as much sense to you unless you go back and watch part one. Edgar Casey, The Miracle Man of America, part one. Um, anyway, in that case, in that uh, episode, we talked about how Edgar Casey was able to give medical diagnoses by clairvoyance. He was able to just know from telegram, because there were, was no internet at the time, there were long distance phone calls but or letters, and he would ask for somebody to give them him their name, their date of birth, the place they were born, and the location that they would be at when he did this uh, examination of them. That was key. He said, tell me where you're going to be, as if he's going to travel there, but he never went. His mind went, because he would, like I said in the last episode, his mind went and he would say, oh, wow, then you're in a beautiful place. It's very windy here. Or, this is a beautiful stream. Or your body just went down in an elevator, things like that. So he would need to know where they were and where they were born, what their name was. Just based on that, without laying a finger on them, he would be able to make the most complicated medical diagnosis yeah. with absolute accuracy and give them treatment 99% of the time. The 1% that he did not succeed was found out later where the patients did not follow his instructions to the T or they had given him false uh, uh, information that led to something mm -hmm. else, like his date of birth or whatever. In one case there, he did the knee and the pin procedure, which uh, the pin and the knee procedure, which the medical community was unaware of at that time. Not Yes. So I said in the last episode that what he did was to take a needle, uh, sorry, a, a nail uh, of a certain length, boil it, sterilize it in that sense, and put it through a parts of the knee, which was an unheard of procedure at the time. In fact, there were many procedures that have been written down, which was why the presidents of the United States asked that everything he wrote be transcribed and put into record so that we would learn about some of his techniques. There are many conditions today that he treated that we still do not know what he used for it. For instance, one of the conditions uh, required a particular medicine <clears throat> and he named it. I don't know, I don't have it in front of me. He named it, it was a strange name that I had not heard before. And they said, where do we get it? And he said, you'll not find it in any pharmacy except such and such. Now, there were no CVS pharmacies or <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Walgreens, or Walmart, nothing like that. So every pharmacy was the name of the pharmacist was there. So maybe Dennis Brown Pharmacy. So he said, go to the, the Brown Pharmacy 
And they said, we went there. And the pharmacist who came out was somebody working in the pharmacist store, was not the main pharmacist. And he said, oh, we don't have that. I don't see it. And he looked all over his bottles. And Edgar Casey said, while he was still waiting there, because it was in the same town, he said, while he was in trance, he said, no, tell the pharmacist to go in the back of the pharmacy. Oh, my God. Turn left. Now, yes, you're in the right place. Look up. No, no, the shelf above. Yes, that one, the brown bottle. Take that. And the pharmacist looked at it. He says, you're right. That's what it is. And so he was able to do things like that and pick out obscure bottles from the pharmacy that the pharmacist himself didn't know was there. So there's medical treatments that we still don't know because they're so obscure. The reason that medicine was so obscure is nobody prescribed it. Nobody knew about it. There was one bottle left in one pharmacy. So so what are we tapping into here? What knowledge are we tapping into here? Well, if you just hold off on that for yeah. one second. Sure. Because that's, that's key to where Edgar Casey got his powers. Why did he get these powers and what is he tapping into? Just hold on to that. If I forget, beat me over the head with it. <laughs> So <clears throat> at age 45 or 46, Edgar Casey found that he had been doing this from the tender age of like 23 in 1901 when Lane hypnotized him, Casey, to get rid of his own condition of not being able to speak, if you remember from our last episode. And then he helped Lane cure himself, and then he cured lots of people over the next 21 or 23 years. <clears throat> then it, in 1923, when Edgar Casey was 46 years old, he got a call from a very wealthy man who lived in Dayton, Ohio. Is Ohio far from Kentucky, Lou? Far enough in the early 1900s, yes. Right. So not something that you can walk to or whatever. No, so no. He said, I want to find out more than just my health. He says, I'll come over to uh, where you are, which was by this time West Virginia, and I will stay with you and have you do some treatments for me. He came and he said that I don't have anything wrong with me, but I'm a very well-read person. And I want to know all about the universe. Why does the universe exist? Is there such a thing as God? Which religion is most important? Is there such a thing as reincarnation? No, he didn't ask about reincarnation. Okay. Sorry. Yep. He said, uh, is there such a thing as a horoscope? What is my horoscope? Things like that. And then Edgar Casey hypnotized himself and said, more important, I'm reading word for word what he said more important than the urges from the planetary influences were the drives the talents and the abilities that came with the person from previous lives Ooh. for in the last incarnation this man was a monk so friends what he's saying here is he's saying more important than the urges from the planetary influences meaning this man came and said, I want to know what my horoscope is. And Edgar Casey says, there are influences from the planet, but more important than that is the fact that there are drives. This is something Lou and I have talked about so much in our previous episodes in the Gita. 
we have this uh, uh, podcast called Arise Arjuna, the Bhagavad Gita. If you get a chance, look at it because it'll tell you that whatever you learn and do in this life will be carried over into your next life. And it's like vrittis, like carved into your brain, your abilities, your talents. And Edgar Casey says, your drives. So if you're hungry for money, that'll come back in the next life. If you're hungry for sensuality, that'll come back in your next life. Your drives, your talents, your abilities will all come to the person from previous lives. For in the last incarnation, this man was a monk, pointing to the printer who came from Dayton, Ohio. When he said that, this man was electrified. And we'll go into that. But these then became known as life readings. These were different from readings of somebody's health. Mm-hmm. After this, Casey himself became scandalized. Remember, from the age of 10, Casey read the Bible cover to cover every year, was a very Christian man, very much devoted to Christ, Christianity, and there was nowhere that it said anything about reincarnation, about a previous life. Mm -hmm. He was scandalized. He was actually tempted to not tell anybody about this particular thing. He says, it can't be true. There's no such thing as reincarnation. And Lane, to his benefit, said, no, no, no. You have to be true to the readings. Whatever you've done, you've always maintained that the readings are accurate. If the readings are saying this, you've got to be true. Can so, I ask you, did he have to be explained what he said when he was in a trance? Yes. Or So he was disconnected from it. His personality was disconnected from it almost totally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so Lane would often have to repeat to him what he said because he wrote it down in shorthand. So he didn't believe that he said this. He says, I can't, you must have written it down wrong. Hmm. So the the rich man, I think his name was Lamar. Let me just look. I, I think I wrote it down here. Oh, yeah, Arthur Lamars, L-A-M-M-E-R-S. Arthur Lamar said, listen, you can't do this now. You have to be truthful to the readings. You have to say it as it comes to your mind. Don't try and edit it. Right. So he brought his wife, Edgar Casey's wife from Virginia to Dayton, Ohio, put them up in a hotel and the kids and all the kids and the wife and Lamar uh, uh, Lane told Edgar Casey, can't do this. If what you hear from the readings comes out, just say it. Um, Casey's family and friend told him about these and he described some details of previous incarnations of both himself Edgar Casey's previous incarnations, as well as his wife and kids. He explained to your question, um, Lou, that memory carried over at a deeper level, memory from previous lives resulted in talents, weaknesses, abilities, physical problems, and psychological problems. What you did in your previous life as good karma or bad karma also affected your uh, abilities and your physical strength versus your illnesses in this life. And that's carefully explained in the books that, by the way, you should try and read these books um, if you get a chance, because what I'm telling you in a half hour cannot in any way uh, capture what is there in these books. There's many, many books on Edgar Cayce written. 
This is the most widely publicized and carefully documented psychic ever in, in the world. Yeah. Reincarnation and karma are two of the oldest beliefs of most religions, most widely accepted than any other religions, and most highly spoken about in Hinduism and uh, in Buddhism. And this is what Lou and I have talked about a lot in our Bhagavad Gita uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. But going back to Edgar Casey, he only needed to know the name, the location of the patient. He never took any money, never took any fees. He died completely penniless. What he said was that in my previous lives, he says, I was many hundreds of years ago, I was born as a very uh, wealthy, affluent, powerful, powerfully occult physician in Egypt. Hmm. He says, I had so much power because I could do things, see things, and ability to help people. But that power and money also gave me the ability to indulge myself in materialism and sensuality. You can understand what he's talking about. Sure, yes. So he says... He was a rock star. <laughs> he was a rock star that yeah. was indulging in all kinds of things. He says that minimized my powers because I indulged in sensuality and materialism. All of this is very important for us to learn. He says, the more I indulged, the more powers disappeared from me. And the more... I, every time I came back to life, I became lower and lower in my uh, status yeah. in life. Ultimately, I was a soldier in one of the Middle Eastern countries and I was captured. And because of previous things that I had done in my life where I tortured other people, I was being tortured. And the way I was being tortured, he says, they tied me to a horse and dragged me through the desert on stones. Yeah. And he says, yeah. my skin all came off and, and, and they took me into the desert in very hot heat and untied me and left me there to die. He says, when they left me there to die, he says, I was in such severe pain and agony that I wanted to will my mind and my consciousness to leave my body where the pain was and go elsewhere. He says, after many hours or days of suffering like this, he says, I couldn't tell how long it was. My mind did leave my body. And that was the first time I was able to escape my body with my mind. And I was able to then uh, achieve this ability to leave and go somewhere else. Hmm. Now, seems far-fetched, seems hard to believe, but how else do you explain this? He says, now I'm able to actually travel. If you give me a person's location, I'm able to travel there and be able to tell exactly what is wrong with him. I would never have believed it, except that they said when he goes to faraway places and says, and, and, yeah. and he did readings in India and China and Switzerland and Greece and faraway places. And the newspapers actually followed this to say, is it true that when he gave you the reading, the wind was very strong over here or there was a storm or whatever? And they said, yes, it is true. So that made me somewhat less skeptical. He was able to remotely browse around a pharmacist's storeroom. That's right. And find right. something. And again, yeah. highly documented. I mean, this didn't happen hundreds of years ago and it's stories passed down. There are a lot of people involved in this. Yeah. And, you know, just so that you know, 
there's another person, by the way, called Swedenborg. Sweden, like the country Sweden, last mm -hmm. name B-O-R-G, Swedenborg. Swedenborg was 300 miles away from his hometown, uh, which was Sweden, somewhere far away, 300 miles, having dinner with somebody else uh, at 6 p.m. At the time they were to sit down for dinner, he jumped out of his chair, knocked his chair down, and he was panicked. There was a big uproar, and everybody said, what's wrong, what's wrong? And he said, there's a huge fire starting in my hometown. Hmm. And they said, what? What are you talking about? Your hometown is 300 miles from here. And it takes days to get there because there were no planes or trains or anything else like that. He says, but this, and he says no, 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 no. The fire is coming closer to my home, closer to my home. My, my home is going to be burned. And there's going to be people dying. And then after about a half hour or so, he calmed down. He says, thank God, the fire stopped. Three, <laughs> three houses away from mine. Swedenborg. Wow. And... They said, what? And then the king of Sweden got involved when he heard about this and actually found out that the fire started exactly at the time that it was 6 p.m. in where he was, uh, Swedenborg. Right. And it stopped three, three houses away from him. Swedenborg then, and you should read about this, friends. It just came to my mind, uh, Lou, when you talked about this, to say he, he did this remotely. And this yeah. is not the only person that is able to travel remotely and see things. Swedenborg says he could actually be there and see, because it was important enough to him, because his family and his house was there, that the fire stopped three houses away from him. Subsequent to that, the queen of Sweden called him and said, look, my brother died. I'm very despondent. I'm very sad. If there's anything you can tell me about my brother or anything that he would have liked to have told me, please tell me. So he says, give me a day or two. Let me try and communicate with him. Let me see. And the next day, when he came down for breakfast with the queen, he said, can I whisper in your ear, your highness? And the queen said, sure. He leaned over, whispered something to her in her ear. She turned white and said, oh, yes, that is true. And she mm -hmm. says, I cannot mention this. This is only between my brother and myself and now Mr. Swedenberg. But I cannot tell anybody, but I can tell you without a doubt that my brother has communicated with me. Wow. He then subsequently told other things that only Swedenberg having gone, having left his body and gone somewhere else would have been able to determine. Right. So, I mean, it, this is on the internet, Swedenborg, B-O-R-G. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that was your question. So he learned this because he was a high occult priest in Egypt that was then because of sensuality and materialism lost his powers was then dragged through the desert as a ordinary soldier. And now he said, this is my chance to recompense, to undo my sins and to do the right thing. And that's why I'm here, not to make money, not to indulge sensually, but to do the right thing, to help thousands of people. And if I do that, I will have a chance again to go back to where I was when I was the high priest of Egypt, hmm. which is what the Gita says. Yep. The Gita says, do karma, do bhakti, get the knowledge, but always do things for others. Don't do for yourself. No selfishness, no fruit. Um, Ian Stevenson has written a book called 20 Cases Suggestive of Reincarnation. I would suggest you read that or go on the internet, Stephen, Ian Stevenson. 
uh, again of Scandinavian origin, talking about reincarnation. And Sidney Kilpatrick has written a book about um, Edgar Casey called The Messenger. You may want to read that. And A River Runs Through It is another one that is this. So anyway, when Casey heard about this man, Mr. Lamar, and he started doing these life readings about reincarnation, he started to have doubts and become mm -hmm. very uneasy. He had finally started to believe through all of these cases that he helped people physically that he could do God's work with healing, that he was right. not a tool of the devil. And now this pagan, sacrilegious notion of reincarnation? Are you kidding? Mm. I, I don't believe in reincarnation. I'm a Christian. He was unaware of Hinduism or Buddhism or anything to do with reincarnation, having never heard of it before. Casey was able, through the readings, to learn new things that he knew nothing about. That was another proof to him. He said in the readings, for instance, he would say, this man in his previous life was a stool dipper. He did stool dipping. Hmm. And Lane would write it down or Gladys Davis would write it down. And these came and they said, Mr. Casey, what is stool dipping? And he says, I don't know. That's what the <laughs> reading told me. Yeah. So they looked it up. And apparently, Lou, since you live near Salem, which we just visited the other day, by the way. Hold on one second. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Bless you. <laughs> in Salem, they had witches. Bless you, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. In in Salem, they had witches. And did you know one of the, you know, we all know that witches were burned at the stake. Yes. Did you know that witches were tied to stools? And then the stool was tied to a rope. And the witch sitting on the stool would be dunked into ice cold water and pulled up. I knew they were dunked, but I didn't know the role of the stool here. Yeah. So those people who did the dunking, it was like waterboarding. Yeah. Those people who did the dunking were known as stool dippers. Wow. So uh, people were shocked that he talked about school dippers, stool dippers, without knowing what stool dippers was. The other was the original names of famous people who had used pseudonyms because he was he was seen by a lot of actors and actresses and singers and uh, people like that who, you know, started to use uh, pseudonyms for right. their stage act and actually forgot that their real name was something else. So when they would <laughs> send a telegram to say um, this person, I don't know, Marilyn Monroe, I'm just giving an example. I don't right. know if Marilyn Monroe ever did it. Marilyn Monroe wants to have a reading. She was born on such and such a date in such and such a place and is now going to be in Hollywood, California and wants a reading. Her real name, so is it true? Marilyn Monroe is just a pseudonym? Yes. Okay. So, And I'm blanking on her real name right now. But yeah. yeah, I know too. So he would then say in his reading, without knowing what this person, who this person's real name was, he would say, this person was born as such and such and give the real name and is now going under the pseudonym of Marilyn Monroe. And people would say, how did he know that? Because these people from all over the world would write to him. And where could he find evidence of it? So he would go then go back and say, in his previous life, this person was known as Mr. Such and Such. And he is buried in this cemetery and there's a headstone with this name on it. Many people have gone back and said, okay, this is my grave. I'm seeing my name 
on it the way Edgar Casey has written. Wow. Very specific, yeah. Very specific. And one time he found that there was a, a, a grave that he pointed out to where the gravestone was supposed to be, where he was buried. And the guy went to look for his gravestone and said, wrote back to Edgar Casey and said, it's not there. Edgar Casey did a special reading and said, oh yeah, that gravestone, that whole grave was converted to something else. That gravestone has been moved to such and such a place. Wow. And he was able to find it. Anyway. And again, very highly documented, lots of people involved, modern times, up to the president documenting this on a daily basis. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. So very quickly, Arthur Lemmers was a rich printer of Dayton, Ohio, came to Selma, Alabama to see Casey. We went through this. Arthur was healthy. There were no medical issues. Casey was only looking inside the body to hidden illnesses. Arthur felt that Casey should look outwards to universal areas. What happens after death? Wise man on this earth? Which, which religion philosophy was closest to the truth? And uh, Lammers invited Casey to Daytona with his wife uh, for a week or two. Um, and Casey said, God is opening new paths of service to me. But then when he found out about reincarnation, he said, no, 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 this is the devil. I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. um, but then after staying in the Ho Phillips Hotel with his family in Dayton, um, he started giving people these kind of readings, which he would start in staccato, non-committal style. And he would then say, became used to the fact that this was the truth. Because when he started looking at himself, and he was able to find out about his own life, and it fulfilled everything that was correct, he started to believe in it. Then he gave his wife readings, his son's readings, etc. And then he thought to himself, could ancient theories of reincarnation really be true? Um, now, to answer your question, the reading said that astrology contained a certain amount of truth. Man Here's the key, Lou, to what you were asking. Mm -hmm. Man attended alternated experiences on Earth with experiences in other dimensions of consciousness. This is mm -hmm. we talked about this in Gita when we were talking about it. That we God is really consciousness. Remember we said that. Yes. Yes. That what enlivens us, what we call the Atman, what people call the soul, is essentially consciousness that when consciousness enters our body, we say God has entered our body. That consciousness enlivens our body and we're able to think. When we die, what Edgar Cayce says is, we leave this body to go to other planets in altered state of consciousness. And which planet we go to is based on what we've done as good or bad on this earth. I found that fascinating. Yeah. Now you say, I don't believe it. But if you don't believe it, how come you believe everything else that has happened in his readings? If one believes that all these people, 30,000, 50,000 people have been right, everything else is accurate, why should this be inaccurate? Right. But he says that our consciousness gets altered and goes from planet to planet, depending on how good you've been, um, like Santa Claus, how good you've been, and those planetary influences that we say, because he said there is some truth to horoscopes. He says those truths are determined by which planets your consciousness is supposed to go to or was at already. 
So these planets are our planets in our solar system or in another dimension or elsewhere in the galaxy? We don't I don't know. know. I don't yeah. know. He said these other dimensions, he called them other dimensions. Ancient sayers have given the names of planets, which then served as the focal points of our consciousness resting. Other dimensions. He right. didn't say that they were just purely planets. He said there are other dimensions. Every word that he says is very important for us to analyze. Um, so I think I will stop here. Um, but anyway, he also, last thing, present lifetime, my present lifetime was to redeem myself of the pride, materialism, and sensuality of past lives by serving mankind in this life. Makes sense. So one other thing he said, oh, sorry, you did ask me this question and I meant to come back to it. You said, where does he get this information from? And in one of the books that his is a self autobiography, he says that he gets it from the Akasha, A-K-A-S-H-A. -A -A. Akasha. the Akashic records, right? Yeah. yeah. You've heard of them? Yes. Where did you hear them? Oh, um, I do a couple of shows that uh, involve uh, mediums and and ghost hunting and things like that. And the Akashic Records have come up. The mediums are very familiar with it and delve with it. So Akasha is a Sanskrit word that means ether. The Everything around us in the atmosphere is ether. And Akashic Records are those records that the Sanskrit scriptures say these are records carved onto the Akasha, onto ether, as clearly as sound waves or TV waves or other waves are in the atmosphere around us. And it only takes the proper kind of receptor to be able to pick up these Akashic records. And Edgar Casey says, to me, it's as clear as if it's a book written over there. I just have to reach into that book and find it. Yep. He says, I can see the records for thousands of years, uh, lifetimes before this. And I can pick. Well, in the previous podcast, we talked about reaching levels of spirituality. And I'm guessing that becomes clearer as you get higher in your level of spirituality. That's correct. That's mm -hmm. correct. So that's why when, when the Gita was written and we talk about self realized people who have realized themselves and with that realization are no longer captive to what we have here on this earth. They're able to travel, they're able to do all kinds of things and look into these Akashic records and see all kinds of things that we are not privy to. So he says, one of the ways I get my answers is through the Akashic record. You said, where do they get, where did Casey get this from? He yeah. said, one is from the Akashic records. He said, second, when I visit the body of the place that the person is, he says, his own unconscious has memories of all his previous lifetimes. And so he says, I tap into his mind and I get a lot of the information from him. Uh, what is often done through hypnosis, right? That's exactly, exactly. Yeah. Right. And if you go to the podcast that Lou and I created called Memoirs of a Psychiatrist, is that what it is, Lou? Yes, Memoirs of a Psychiatrist. There's uh, what maybe a dozen episodes somewhere in there, but some fascinating stories about your time in working with hypnosis. Yeah, in that I, I've, I have one case where I did as a very young 23-year-old hypno hypnotizing a nurse just out of fun and hypnotizing her 
it's taking her, regressing her to a very early age and possibly even to a previous life until my supervisors as a psychiatrist told me, you may never do this again. Yeah. So I never did. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So friends, if you have any questions about this, I would love to hear from you. Please write to me at arisearjuna at gmail.com. Write it and uh, check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube if you're watching on Facebook. Make sure you subscribe so you know when a new episode comes out and uh, pass it along. Thank you so much, friends. I'll see you next time.